This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. Good morning, good morning, and ain't it a great morning outside? If if you like living in a furnace, a hot, humid, steamy jungle type, uh, Java, it doesn't even get this hot in real jungles. Yeah, but we got a little bit of a relief uh, the past couple of days. It's funny how, you know, 105 degree temperatures will make you really, really appreciate 85 degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, don't don't look at the weather. I think it's supposed to get on back up there. Anyway, this is this is getting serious, you know, and as a as a gardener, uh, it's really tough on some of my plants and I, I grow. You know, I've sort of pride myself on choosing plants that can take the weather, whether it's winter freezes or summer drought or heat or hot summer nights or whatever. I try to choose and stick with plants that can take that. But, uh, man, mine are suffering right now. It's just, but, you know, it's just, it's, as a gardener, instead of wringing my hands, I'm just going to pick up and see what takes it and move on. If I have some plants that can't take this, I just don't know if I need them. I might give another shot, but as that saying goes, it's try, try again, but after that, you're just being a fool. So I'm going to stick with what I can as best I can. But right now, you know, I feel bad for people having to pay a lot of water bills for, for, for taking care of plants that are suffering so terribly. But dare anyway, I ask, Felder, what, what's the temperature where you are? <laughs> Uh, you might not want to know, but it's it's supposed to get up to sixty seven today. <laughs> get up to oh come on now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right now it's I think it's sixty four, sixty five. It's supposed to get up to sixty seven. But but you know what? At the same time, they can't grow sweet potatoes in England. They can't grow tomatoes out in the open. They have to have everybody's got these little greenhouses because tomatoes won't grow outside in the regular sun and air. It's not 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 cool enough. So, you know, I have a lot of people say, well, you know, you're in England, you go to Europe, you go to Japan, go to all the different places. I also grow the tropics. And I spend a lot of time on little tropical places where on the east side or the west side, it's either wet or dry, depending on whether their prevailing winds comes up. So even in tropics, they have deserts, hot, dry deserts. So uh, you can't just really take stuff. So we try to keep it as local as possible. Not what's going on in, you know, Barbados or or, uh, or or Tokyo or or England, but what's going on in Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas? Because that's where we are in the here and now, and that's what MPB does. Java, you know, it's just a wonderful opportunity to talk to real people in real time about what's going on in their gardens. So, uh, anyway, uh, it's a call-in program, folks. I'm not going to be all doom and gloom. We're dealing with the situation as it is and how we expect it might be. And if there's some things I can help you with to share with you that I'm trying to do, not always successfully, but we'll talk about it. I'm a retired extension horticulture agent, and uh, I could try to sell anything, but here's what, based on my experience, which is extensive, my training 
and my observations, what I would cause, what would cause me to tell my own son, or if my mother is still still guarding. Let's 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 start out. Let's go on up close to Memphis, all up to the top of Mississippi, the South Haven. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for calling. How you doing? Good morning, Felder. I've got two or three questions, so I'll try to keep them pretty short here. Um, Okay. I heard kale is a perennial, and I've got some that I planted in the spring that's still alive, and I'm like, is it a perennial? Will it make it on and on? Well, well, it, it, it botanically it's a perennial. It's just like peppers are to, uh, perennial, but peppers will, will freeze outside, you know, unless you're on the Gulf Coast or something. But um, but kale is a perennial. It's a short-lived perennial, though. Uh, I've had I've got one that's probably I would say it's a year and a half old. I planted it well a- almost two years ago, and it it go- goes great through the summertime. It flowers in the spring. And it just sort of sits there over the summer. Well, so what I do with mine is in, in the late spring and the summer, I cut mine back and it bushes out. And if it makes it over the summer, it'll do fine. But that could be a long-lived perennial like a canna or a daylily. Okay. The other plant I wanted to ask you about, and I, I grew two of them this summer, and they lasted like six weeks or eight weeks. And I saw them in Colorado, which is a totally different world. And Oh, um, yeah. Seems like the hummingbirds prefer fuchsia to um, petunias. I mean, petunias do real well, but I tried to grow fuchsia, and they just, you know, they lasted six weeks, yeah. and that's that. Yeah, I well, yeah that- a couple of things. Well, first of all, a couple of things. Petunias also like fuchsias, don't really like hot weather. Petunias sort of shut down when it gets hot. A lot of them actually die. Some of the modern hybrids can take it, uh, and some of the old-fashioned kind, but petunias actually are native to the to the, to the the Andes, up in high, cooler elevations. Fuchsia is native to places that stays cool all the time. So, um, and, and hummingbirds, neither one is native to where hummingbirds are from. Anyway, bottom line is fuchsias, which grow great, on the West Coast, they grow great in Colorado. They grow great up in New England. Um, I'd love to see one that's more than four or five months old in the Deep South. I've tried myself. There is a fuchsia, fairly new in the soil as a bedding plant. Uh, it's not the big, pretty hanging basket type, but it's kind of a, a red one that does okay. I, I forget the name of it. I, I'll, I'll report on that in just a little while. But in general, the hanging basket type fuchsias that are all over England, fuchsias, Eight feet tall on my street in Lancashire. Eight feet tall. They don't. They they, they can't take the hot, humid nighttime temperatures. They need to cool down at night, and that's what gets them in the south. Not the high daytime, but the hot nights where they can't cool off. So fuchsias are a no go in the south. So I probably need to just go for salvia or something that makes it. If I'm for the hummingbirds, do something like that. Oh, the. There's there's so many wonderful plants that hummingbirds love, including really hardy perennials like the perennial blue salvias. They're just really great hummingbird plants. Uh, we also have a plant that's native to uh, to, to Mexico and Texas. A lot of people call it perch turban or turch cap. Uh, it's a type of mallow with red flowers. Hummingbirds just tear those up. And four o'clocks, there's all sorts of plants that hummingbirds do great on. Fuchsias simply won't take it in the south, with rare exception. Okay. Okay. Now, my last one, and I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this because it's almost not a gardening question, but when I'm 
let the weeds get away from me and I'm pulling weeds for like 30 minutes or more, you know, doing this. The next day, I re- or the same day, my hamstrings are sore. I was like wondering if anybody has come up with gardening and exercise combination stuff, you know, muscle benefits for working in the garden. <laughs> Actually, that's real, real interesting because I've seen charts that show the different things we do in the garden normally, from mowing grass to stooping over to planting to to, to dragging hoses to bending over. Uh, they're, they're actually so If you go online, you'll find several things that have charts that show different exercises that we normally do in the garden. We really do. There's, there's some good ones. Um, but, you know, the problem is we only... You know, we we only do those things maybe every week or two at the most. And uh, exercise mm-hmm. means you need to get those muscles ready for it. So I don't know if there's a, uh, an exercise designed to get ready for weeding, but uh, I can sure <laughs> use it myself. But that's, that's a good right. question. And there are there are studies and there's some really cool charts online about that. Okay. Well, I'll look it up then. I knew you'd know if it's out there. I've seen them, and some of them are quite funny. <laughs> Okay, appreciate oh, it, Rebecca. Great. Good to hear from you. All right. all right, bye-bye. Okay, now let's slide all the way down to the Gulf Coast to Long Beach. Lee, how are you this morning? What's up? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just kind of freaking because you probably are aware how dry and hot it's been down here. I haven't oh, yeah. had any rain. Yeah, I haven't had any rain since July 28th, and yeah. I've been watering like crazy. And I've been watering all my shrubs and all my beds, but it didn't occur to me to water my sycamore tree that overnight has lost almost all its leaves. I'm thinking yeah. it's dying. Well, it, it could be, but let me throw out a couple of other things. First of all, we've been through droughts like this before. It wasn't that long ago, maybe I want to say 10, 8 or 10 years ago. It was so dry for so long that we were losing pine trees and magnolia trees and it killed a lot of dogwoods in our woods so this isn't the first time but here's the deal if your tree drops its leaves believe it or not that's a good sign it's when they turn brown and stick that the plant is dead so the fact that it's shedding its leaves just says it's under a lot of stress and by the way it could have been caused by by something else it may have actually been struck by a mild bolt of lightning that ran down the outer uh, on the outside of the bark, it was raining or something. So there's no telling what, but if the leaves shed, that's a, a it's, 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 it's bad, but it's not dead, if that makes sense. It, you know, okay. the, the symptom is when a, tree, when a plant, when a shrub or tree dies, it turns brown, the leaves typically stick on it. Okay. So, uh, well, then I'm in the water. I've been watering it, thinking if, if it's because it's dried out. No, but well, I don't it, you know, know about the lightning. I hadn't seen anything like that. Well, that that that's just you know almost anything that stresses a plant can cause it to shed its leaves. Even a big tree. Okay. Here's the thing, though, and don't water all the time. If you're going to water, let's say you're going to water three times a week, it's for the lawn or for shrubs or trees. That's too often. If you water really good, maybe two or three times an hour apart to push the water down deep, then the, the the plant can go a whole lot longer than if you try to keep it wet all the time and just keep the, the shallow roots moist. So water good and deep two or three times and then take it from there. But don't automatically just turn the sprinkles on 
all the time. That that really is a mistake from the plant's point of view. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I feel so much better. I really appreciate it. Good good luck. Appreciate you. Thanks. Okay. Whew, this is this is tough. And uh Java, before we go to the next call, let me mention this. For the first time in probably I don't know, ten or fifteen years, I have actually have somebody coming over to my garden every week to make sure that my potted plants get watered. I've never done this before. It is so bad that uh, that I'm having people come by and check on my plants, and I pride myself on never watering. But uh, this is a, this is a serious deal. So anyway, let's uh, let's slide back to the central Mississippi to Jackson. Hubert, how are you this morning? Good. Uh, Phil, I have an oriental persimmon tree in my backyard, and it is uh, sitting up sprouts all over my backyard. Can I huh. can I safely spray those sprouts with Roundup and not harm the main tree? Uh, if if they're coming up from seedlings, it's not a problem. If they're sprouting off the roots, Roundup goes into plants and goes down and kills the roots. If they're suckers off of the roots of the main plant, it's going to kill the main plant. Well, same, I, thing with crate, there, same thing with crate myrtles. Is there another uh, spray that I could use to kill those uh, suckers? Nope. Nope. The suckers are part of the tree, and anything that will kill part of the tree can kill the whole tree. So if they're actually come up, you know, dig around, if, if you know, dig one or two of them up, and if they're growing off of existing bigger roots, they're part of the tree, and whatever you spray on them is going to kill the whole tree. It's, uh, it's just one of those weird things. Same thing with wisteria. And with uh, crepe myrtles, if they're connected to the tree, it's going to kill the roots of the whole tree. Sorry. So just keep cutting them down, huh? That's about it. It's sort of like shaving. You know, you just sort of make your mind up. Every time the little hairs grow back, you just cut them off. Okay, Lafayette. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> I, I wish I had something easier to say. We'd like to mention that um, what I'm sort of interested in, Java, you may know somebody who do this. Our theme song is exactly 30 seconds long, and I'm curious if there's anybody out there who plays a quirky musical instrument that would like to give a go doing our theme song, the song that you're hearing right now. be fun to hear it on a tuba you know, or a xylophone or something like that. If any of you are musically inclined, send us an email. Let's see if we can come up with some really fun versions of the Gestalt Gardener. We'll send you the tune, 30-second clip, and take it from there. Okie dokie, folks. Horticulture fell to rushing, and here in the uh, the studios in Jackson, Mississippi, broadcast from towers all over Mississippi, we welcome folks from all over the state, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, and also folks who tune in during podcasts. Meanwhile, let's head down to uh, uh, Natchez, Natchez, Mississippi, right on the river, and talk with Francis. Francis, how you doing? Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. I sure. Bought, I bought two fig old palms about 12 years ago in St. Bernard Parish in New Orleans. And I brought them up here to Natchez, and I planted them in my yard. And when I first planted yeah. them, the foliage came out really, really good. And about two or three years ago, some graveyard grasshoppers got in the one. And the foliage oh, one hasn't, hasn't been the same since. What can I do? Well, you know, this it's a really strange thing because, you know, they put on two or sometimes three flushes of, of fronds or leaves, whatever you want to call them, a year. And usually 
uh, unless they actually chew on some of the buds, the plant should have outgrown that by now. So really about all I can suggest would be give them just a little bit of fertilizer, you know, any kind of good, for, you know, garden-type fertilizer, just a little bit and water them really good and just see because, you know, there's nothing the grasshoppers will do that won't affect really right leaves on it then or maybe the buds of leaves coming out after that. So they should have outgrown it by now. So I'm stoked so on this one, man. They have. Wow. So I, what, I don't know. What type would you recommend? Uh, and if you know, I wouldn't use a, a, an agriculture or a garden type. You know, I wouldn't use triple thirteen anything like that. Any kind of of a potted plant food or or a flowering plant food or vegetable food. You know, any of those kind of things. Just not the straight agriculture type triple thirteen stuff. It, it almost doesn't matter. But sprinkle it up pretty close to it and water it in really, really good. Let's see, because, like I said, the grasshopper shouldn't have affected it more than one or two sets of leaves. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, fellas. Okay, wish I could help more. But meanwhile, you know, you might, well, I can't even think of anything else to say. You got me stumped on that one. Okay. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, Francis. Appreciate it. Okay, now let's go up to, uh, looks like we're going up to Memphis. Is that where, yeah, Helen in Memphis. Hi, Helen. Good morning. Hi, Felder. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, I I'm new to the mid south and um, never never gardened in this wild tropical climate. And I decided to plant watermelons this year, and they're beautiful. Yeah. The vines are beautiful. The melons are beautiful. I think I planted them in the middle of May or something. And they're, they they right. look like the kind of watermelons that you get in the grocery store. I planted icebox sized ones. And um, yeah, but we harvested one a few weeks ago, and it wasn't nearly ready. We can't tell how to know when they're ready. <laughs> that, that's a really good question. It's one of those things old folks used to sit around talking about on the on the porch all the time. Uh, this here's an oddball thing. For, 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 first of all, uh, usually the seed packet says about how long it is from when you plant the seeds when you start harvesting. But you know, if you gently turn one over. It's got a spot on the bottom. When that spot turns from white to yellow, it's maturing. It's a you know, it's it sort of pale brown, not yellow, but pale brown. Um, you know, and that's probably the best way to tell that spot changes color from white to kind of a of a tan tan yellow type color. And even then, all you can do is guess. What? Yeah, because we we just we harvested one at the end of July because it just looked perfect. And of course, it was growing, but it was white inside still. It wasn't anywhere near ready. They take a long time, don't they? Yeah, well, you know, they're they're berries. A lot of people don't realize this. You know, it's not a fr- it's a fruit on a vegetable plant, but botanically, it's a berry. And uh, a lot of it depends on temperatures, moisture, uh, fertilizer, all that kind of stuff. But it takes a certain amount of time. But again, that spot on the bottom will will okay. change to kind of a light brown, kind of yellow color. Most of the time, and that's the closest okay, I can well, get. We made the soil real rich, and of course, it's been getting tons of water. And um, you know, they're they're just beautiful plants. So we're looking yeah. forward to harvesting them. We'll probably have fifteen watermelons all at once. Well, you know, you got enough to play around with then. So let, let, let us let us know let, let us let us know what you ended up discovering. I'm curious about that. Over the well, next two or three weeks, you, we're going to all learn from from what's going on in your garden. 
So you think you think like the end of August, the beginning of September would be the time to start messing with them? You know, one thing I know between my horticulture science training and my experience as a gardener is I can't answer that. I don't know. <laughs> and, okay. and you know what? That's well, the most, that, that's the most, that's the most honest answer you'll get from anybody on earth. <laughs> well, it's Let us fun. Know. it's fun experimenting. It's been fun trying them, and they're they're just beautiful. So we're enjoying the process. <laughs> Please let us know because, you know, you can't believe what a community. The MPB, folks who tune into this, a lot of people never call in, but they're curious and they pay attention and they keep track. And I'm curious, too, so call, let's have some fun with this. Let's, let's laugh about it. I'll let you know when let, they're let, right. I'll let you know. Okay. Thanks, Helen. Appreciate Thank you. it. Bye. Okay. All righty. We are ping-ponging back across from the mid-south of the Gulf Coast back to Mobile. Angie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How you guys doing? So far, so good. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. Um, my pomegranate tree hadn't been doing anything. Um, we got it from someone else. And um, this year, it put out a lot of pomegranates about six weeks ago. And then... Uh-huh. <laughs> literally, I went out there one day, and there were like five. Um, but they didn't fall off. I think the squirrels or birds or I don't know, something yeah. something ate them because Squirrel. there was nothing on the ground. And yeah. I'm wondering, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it, 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 uh, my, my first guess, it, believe it or not, a lot of people, and nobody wants to even talk about this because it sounds creepy, but squirrels and rats, both do that kind of stuff, but they usually take bites out of it. They leave it on the thing. If it's hauled off, I suspect something like a possum. You know, possums can do that. Maybe oh. raccoons, possums can sure do that. You know, they're they're looking for moisture and sugar and nutrients, and possums will clean. I mean, they'll clean a muscadine vine overnight. So I'm I'm suspecting you might oh. have something like that. There are possums and raccoons where I live. And the same thing happened last year with my muscadine vine. It, like, had a bunch, but that wasn't quite ready to eat. And then, like, days later, there was nothing. There were a few on the ground, but, you know, it wasn't equal. So I was just really wondering, is there enough time for those pomegranates to kind of come back? Not really. They bloom in the late spring, sometimes early summer, and they're real pretty, kind of an orangey red flower. And then mm-hmm. they make fruit just, just, just sort of one time. You know, it's not like a fig. A fig is a flower, and it can, and figs can produce all the way, you know, up to fall. But uh, these kind of uh, fruit, palm, uh, pomegranate type things, just use it just once a year. Sorry. Oh, no, because I had anyone yeah. do anything, and this year it was like, Okay, and it was just full of them, and they're they're just gone. None on the ground. Sounds like, sounds like sounds sure sounds like a possum to me. I've got a friend who grows a lot of different kind of different kinds of fruits, and uh, he has uh, bird netting, and he wraps it all the way around his muscadine vines and fastens them with clothespins, so that things can't crawl mm-hmm. in or under. So anyway, it's it, it's a, it's a tough one, but I'm suspecting a possum if it's holding it off. Okay, so you're Sorry. saying get netting and put netting over the, uh, the no, tree. No, I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's what one of my friends does. But he's a real, he's a real 
how do you say a fruit nut, a nut about fruits. He's a sort of a fanatic guy. Rest of us, we just go with the best we can. You know, you might be able to wrap up an area. Let's say you've got a branch that's got seven or You might be able to wrap just that part. Uh, I, I'm just grasping at straws here. But I do suspect a possum. I really do. Okay. Well, thank Sorry. you so much, and y'all have a good day. <laughs> Love the show. Okay, Angie. Thank you. Sorry. Appreciate that. Oh Java! You gave her a little. Me out. You gave her a little bit of bad news, but I mean, it's yeah, you know, it happens. <laughs> you know, I I have fencing, dog fencing, I have hog wire with dog fencing and bird netting around part of my garden uh, to keep the critters out, and it costs more than just buying stuff at the farmers market would have. <laughs> but I've got this determination. So part of my garden has got uh, fencing and netting around it. And that's just what it takes sometimes. So, but uh, anyway, we we, get, we we got some calls a lot. But before we do that, can I share a little thing about a stupid thing that nobody asks about? You ready for this? Let's do it. <laughs> you know, it, it, the question I want to ask is: Do male wasps sting? But that ain't the question. I'm not talking about honeybees or bumblebees. I'm talking about a generic group of insects that includes red wasps and guinea wasps and yellow jackets and hornets, you know, the, the kind of bees that, that wasps that live in colonies uh, with stingers. Um, and they usually have nests of paper and wood. Here's the thing. They'll, there's only one queen per colony, and she stays over the winter, lays eggs in the spring, a little walnut-sized thing. Those eggs hatch feeds them, they grow into workers, the nest gets bigger and bigger, sometimes several feet across. But the question is, why are the wasps, yellow jacket, corners, why are they so aggravating in late October or November? Java, y'all had a birthday party a couple of weeks ago, but I'm telling you, in the late summer and fall, and if you go to a tailgate or have a patio party, uh, the yellow jacket is trying to take crab meat off your cracker. They could be around the rim of your uh, of your your Coca Cola. You know, have you ever noticed they get really aggressive in the fall? Yeah, they do. They 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 are downright mean. Well, here's here's the reason why, and this is what the Gestalt Gardener MPB is about. It's not you know they're not being mean. It's really crazy. But at the end of the summer, the the queen in each nest gets tired. She starts to die. She stops laying eggs. She stops giving off the pheromone that gets the workers going out bringing her back food, which is usually caterpillars and spiders. They're, they're the most immediate eaters. What happens is she stops feeding and she lays off all the workers and they don't know what to do. They're disoriented. They're starving to death. They're all going to freeze in the wintertime. Wasps all freeze except for the one queen. And so what happens is they're looking for any kind of energy they could get, which is going to be in liquid form because they can't eat solid food. So they're looking for sugary stuff like your, your diet Coke or your, your root beer or your ice cream or a jelly and your peanut butter. So this time of year, those things, instead of being mean, they're hungry. They're miserable. They've been laid off. They're not going to make it. And so I kind of feel sorry for them. What, what you can do, put your little shallow dish with some jelly or uh, you know, which they can lap up, uh, maybe some sugar water or watermelon rind or anything like that out there to give them something to keep them going as long as you can. Feel sorry for them. They're not trying to be mean. They're just they're homeless. They're hungry. They're out of work. So instead of being mean, and by the way, when you swat at them, they give off a pheromone 
that attracts the rest of them. So swatting at them just makes them mad. So, and by the way, males don't, all those workers are female. Males don't have sting. Is that a stupid thing to, for us to talk about or what? So now when we look at the wasps, we need to look for the, the cardboard sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be their nest. That's what, <laughs> anyway, you know, they get really irritated because of the pheromone. And, you know, it, again, they're all going to die. They're, you got to almost feel sorry for them, but don't swat at them because I'm not going to try to get misogynistic here, but the females got stingers. If you mess with one of them, the rest of them come to her aid. I'm gonna let it go with that. Well, let's go back to the phone, uh, phones, Felder. We got we got Bill and Jackson gonna save us. Good, good call. Good call. Thank you, thank you, Bill, for calling. I'm starting to get off the rails there. What's up, Bill? I have a question, M and Jackson. Uh, do you have experience with evergreen witch hazel distillium? I, I, I don't myself. I don't myself. I've heard reports from uh, Gary Bachman has talked about that before. He just recently retired extension horticulturist. I've seen it, uh, but I don't have any experience. I don't know how well it takes either our sudden hard, hard freeze in the winter or a hot summer night. So I, I understand it's supposed to be a good plant, but I don't think it's been around quite long enough for it. it I don't know enough about it to, to know. But I tell you what, okay. if, you'll, if you'll stick with us, I'm going to do a real quick search because I got something, a note about it someplace, either Gary Bachman or Carol Reese from up in Tennessee. Somebody said it's a great plant felder. I just don't remember. Great. Thank you. Okay. Hey, is there a particular one that you're looking at? Because some cultivars may do better than others. I've read that Cinnamon Girl is the most cold hardy. They okay. seem to like the hot well, and humid, but not. But the hard freeze is 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 difficult. That that's what in the back of my mind. That's that seems to be an issue, and it's not so much the freeze; it's the sudden freeze after a week and a half or two weeks of a real mild weather. I think the sudden freeze that that confuses so much. Anyway, I'll do a little bit more research. You know, I can come up with. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, Bill. Okay, thanks for. I, I don't. I do not. I, I do not mind not knowing something because it gives us both a chance to learn something. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's go to Louisiana now. Pig, how are you today? Oh, I'm good, Felder. Um, and I'm very interested in having my husband perform the theme song on the kalimba. So you let us know about <laughs> that, okay? Okay, what what need to do is, uh, and Java and I hadn't had a chance to talk this out, but uh, but if you can email me, I can send you a thirty second recording of our okay. tune, so we can so he so he knows you know what it is, and it's got to be right at thirty seconds. So uh, yeah, shoot us uh, email me. Just go to felderrushing uh, dot blog, and it has a okay. button that says email me. So now okay, now what you got? Question. Okay, just that uh, I've been wanting to ask you if you know. I've never seen a bug do this, but I have these plants that have almost perfectly round holes, mostly at the edges of the leaves. doesn't seem to yeah, kill the plant. I even know what it is. I, I, I know what it is. Me, me, me. I know. Please I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be one of two things. There is both a wasp and an ant, and they're called leaf cutters. And they and, and they uh-huh. and they get around the edge and they chew almost a perfect. If you look at it under a microscope, you can see the little bite marks, the little little round things. It's either usually yeah. an ant, but use a lot of times I say 
a lot of times it's an ant, but usually there's a bee. It's called a leaf cutter bee or leaf cutter ant. Google it. And it's kind of a, a neat thing. It doesn't hurt, really hurt the plant. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to. So, I, but I've never seen it happen. So, are they night creatures? Uh, no, they, well, the ants might be at night, but the 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 wash the, the little wash things are during the day. I don't remember, I don't remember okay. if it's a wasp or a bee, but I want to say it's a it's a wasp. But uh, there's okay. little bitty things you you wouldn't even notice it because you're not going to notice uh-huh. it until that last little bite and they fly off with it. <laughs> well. It was just a mystery that I thought maybe you knew. So uh, I do, I do. Thank you. I, I needed, I needed bailing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. And I can hear my husband practicing already. We know the tune, but to keep it thirty seconds, we'll we'll send you an uh, an email and ask you for the clip. Let's have some fun with this. I mean, come on, this you know, it's gardening, but we're just trying to have a little fun. It's kind of a MPB makes it kind of like a community. Yes, and we love it when you play cheesy music. It's like the, his favorite part <laughs> of the show. So. Good, 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 good. Well, thank you so right. much. And, and, uh, and I, yeah, I'd be curious if you ever find one of those little little bees at work and send me a picture. I've never yeah. seen one. I just know what it is. Yeah, me neither, but I now I'm going to be on the lookout. Yeah, okay. All righty, well, let us uh, know. All right, thanks, Felder. All righty. And by the way, Java, while we're on the phone, I uh, I did a little bit more um, research on this distillium, the plant that's called distillium. Um, uh, winter hazel is what it's called. And apparently it is more of a tropical, subtropical Gulf Coast type thing, and the one called Cinnamon Girl is supposed to be able to grow up into as far north as Zone 6, which is up like St. Louis, supposedly. I just don't know myself. So I'd, I'd be glad to find out anybody who's ever grown the plant the plant called Dispilium, particularly the one called Cinnamon Girl. I'll do a little research during the week and report back next week. Meanwhile, uh, can we slide up to Tennessee and talk with Al? Let's do it. Hey Al, thank you for holding me. What's going on? Good morning. Um, we have uh, we we just moved to Murfreesboro last fall, and the winter uh, it killed two fig trees that was in the yard, and uh, they they started coming back. I, I cut the uh, the uh, tree down, and it started coming back. Will it produce fruit this year? It, it can, and here, but here's the deal. Figs, by the way, figs are not fruits. They're flowers. A lot of people don't realize it. Ins- if you cut one open and look inside, it's an inside-out flower. Uh-huh. And when they get pollinated, there's a little there's a little insect that crawls in that hole in the bottom, goes in, and it crawls round and round and round and pollinates it that way. If you ever had a fig newton that's got the little tiny seed that's sticking in your teeth, that means there's a bug right. in there doing that. But anyway, <laughs> they produce figs. They produce figs on new growth as long as it comes off of last year's growth. So if you if you had to cut it back so far that all of last year's twigs were gone, it'll sprout back out, but it won't make figs. What I do with mine every winter is I thin out the tall stuff, but whatever grew the year before, I thought from the tip back to where it started growing, and I try to leave half of that. What sprouts off of that will have figs. It may. It may still produce fruit. You might even want to go out. It's probably time, even up in Tennessee, to cut some of those new growth back a little bit and see if what sprouts off of it 
has enough time to make figs this year. It's just an experiment. Okay. But always leave sure. at least half of the year. So when you prune it this next winter, leave half of 2023. Gotcha. One more question. Good. Are they supposed yeah. to be like, I, I, I guess I've only dealt with big trees, big, big trees. Are they supposed to be like canes? They're just like sprouts that come up, you know, off the, uh, the root system. And they're just very yeah. unruly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're crazy. Uh, they're crazy. Uh, what the, okay. what people who grow figs commercially? They grow the figs in the the plants in long rows. Uh, they 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 start them out by cutting them off real close to the ground, which you did this year. Uh, this next winter, right. it, if you want to go in and thin some of those out to whether you know the ones that like a handful or more per plant, well spaced ones, and then cut those about halfway back. And the next year they'll branch out, and then the next year you'll cut thin some of those out and cut that. In other words, just keep thinning, and then whatever's left, cut it back a little bit, and that'll keep them kind of open and kind of tidy. But you don't want 15 uh, sprouts when five or six will right. Sounds great. Thank you, Felder. I really appreciate the information. Have a great day. Okay, good, good luck on it. Appreciate it. And, again, I appreciate it when I get stumped on stuff, people call up and help me out. That happens a lot on Mississippi Facebook. I know some of y'all are not social media people, but you can trust me on this. This is a safe site with nothing but gardeners, Mississippi Gardening Facebook. We have uh, probably a dozen and a half professional horticulturists or related professionals who help people out with gardens with their questions, with the product, insects, everything. So if you want to check it out, Mississippi Gardening on Facebook. Meanwhile, let's slide up to Itawamba County, Mississippi. Rebecca, what's going on in Fulton? Oh, it's nice. It's actually 75 degrees here, which is amazing. (laughs) We're we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it until tomorrow because it's supposed to be really bad hot tomorrow. But we're one of the few places... we actually got rain last week, and I'm like, wow. yes. and I'm like, tree light got six inches of rain, and I'm like, oh my gracious, we were so <laughs> grateful. I oh. wish, like on the internet, you could cut and paste some of that. Well, that's what rain barrels are. I guess they're sort of like folders for cutting and pasting rainfall. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 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 what you got going on? What, what's up? No, I mean, thank you so much um, for helping me. I, no, I was just curious about. Um, I, I would like to start doing terrariums. I would like to do some terrariums because I, there's a place in Portland, Oregon, that I, I saw online that has, you know, that teaches classes and does all this sort of stuff. And my yeah. cousin said she was going to help me with with doing those. And they, they, but are they really hard to do? No, they're really not. As a matter of fact, my friend, uh, Dr. John Guyton from Mississippi State, he used to have kids bring clear medicine bottles, you know, the little plastic uh, uh, pill bottles, and, and he would drill a hole in the top and put a little lanyard on it, and he'd have them do pocket terrariums, a little piece of moss, you know, a roly-poly, you know, stuff like that. You can actually have a little pocket terrarium with a clear medicine bottle. Uh, they were invented by a guy named Ward, W-A-R-D, who came up with the idea of a glass box to put on sailing ships. So when the British would go around the world, you know, doing stuff, they would bring plants back in these boxes that would protect them from the really harsh ocean conditions. And so that's the first greenhouse. Called, they were called Wardian cases. Um, but really, the main thing is you want to make sure that, that you follow instructions on the soil 
uh, type so it doesn't stay soggy and wet and get stinky and, you know, that kind of stuff. So you, you use a different kind of soil. You have to be kind of careful what kind of plants you put in because some get way, way too big. But uh, you can have a desert terrarium that doesn't need a bunch of water, just any kind. It's, all it is is a, is a pers- personalized little capsule with plants in, like in a spaceship. Okay. Well, I just I just thought it was cool that you didn't have to water it and you didn't have to worry about whether it was going to die or not. Well, you know, it's it's not it's not going to live forever. You know, you can't send it to Mars and back. But you know, so so the the main thing is it is it is a is a a miniature uh, biome, I guess what it's called. So you know, you want to get it started right and choose plants that will that will do well there. So there's there's a lot of really good stuff online. Don't get confused about all the how to. Just keep it as simple as you can and expect some of it to not do well, but some of it's going to really thrill you. Okay. Okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, Rebecca, thanks for calling. I hope y'all get a little bit more rain. Say some for us. Okay, yes, now sir. Let's sli- let, okay, let's slide down to the uh, stomping grounds of the original Felders from the early 1800s. We're going down to Magnolia, which is the county seat of Pike County. What's up, Melissa? Yeah, maybe Melissa well, will um, send in an email because we're actually running on about 30 seconds left in the show, Felder. We kind of okay. jumped the shark a little bit. <laughs> All righty. Well, I just want to let her know, I've been to Magnolia. There used to be a guy there named named the uh, uh, the the original rhinestone cowboy. He even had rhinestones on his teeth, and I met him one time. So, you know, it's just as long as there's folks like that out there, Java, you and me are okay. We're well within the bell curve, is what I'm saying. So we got a lot of stuff we can talk about. I wish I could help you drag your hoses. I wish I was in my garden right now so I could drag hoses myself. Some plants are worth saving. But if it's getting the best of you, don't feel like you've got to give up all of your hope and your aspirations, your life and control just to save some plants. Gardening is about picking up and moving on, about doing stuff for the future. If you get a chance this weekend, I know a topic, go to a garden center, take a kid. They've got pansies. They're starting to get fall stuff in and kales and all sorts of cool stuff that can be planted in pots. Cluster up close to the house so you don't have to drag a hose too far and get a start on this fall. Take a kid with you and show them how to do what we do best folks, and that's get dirty. Go out and have you a cup of water and enjoy what we got. See you next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.